Vegas Bad Boys Podcast presents Matt Michaels. People I don't hate. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. Today I am joined by Mr. Travis Greer. Travis, how you doing, brother? Good, my friend. How are you? Doing good. Travis is joining us today because he has a film being released in North America and Canada on August 17th called A Rock and Roll Heart. And heart is a great word for it because you've put your heart into and soul into this project. Uh, tell everyone just a little bit before we get into other things, but tell us a little bit about why you created this film and uh, what your... Uh, what your role hands-on has been in the process of getting this made. Oh, wow. Uh, why I created this? Well, I've been an actor for, uh, God, I'd say over 20 years now, and right. mostly uh, doing commercials and, you know, parts on television, certain things like that. I always play a lot of uh, police officers. I always play a lot of cops, you know, so whether it be on Criminal Minds or Adam Ruins Everything or, uh, you know, uh, movies and, and certain things like that. So I, I, I'm an improv teacher and uh, I've been doing improv for the last 15 years and uh, with the likes of Second City, Hollywood, uh, Improv Olympics, certain things like that. And I live in Ventura, California, and I have a... Uh, improv theater through the house of magic uh, magic meaning multi-arts group and inspirational center and the guy who owns it uh, jim lantine is a magician who's also the producer of the film and the director of photography nice. we were doing class we were doing class one night and he comes in and he's done a few he's uh, produced a few films and uh things like that and he came up to me one night during class and i'm sitting in the back of the theater and students are on stage doing the things and he goes <clears throat> Sits down and he goes, hey, when are you going to write a movie? And I look, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm like, I'm teaching class. And he goes, when are you going to write a movie? I said, Jim, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm instructing. I, I, can we talk about this later? He goes, when are you going to write a movie? But I'll write a movie, okay? I'll, I'll write a movie. I'm just now go away. And so uh, he left and... Uh, uh, I didn't really think much of it. And um, I, I thought to myself, I kind of planted that seed. And every week, Monday and Tuesday night classes, I'd come in. He goes, hey, how's that movie coming? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it's going great. It's wonderful, Jim. It's uh, I haven't had a, a thing written. You know, a month and a half went by and uh, I was over at my uh, my sister and brother-in-law's house. We're having a Sunday barbecue like we always do with the, my nephews and and he said uh, they share a driveway with these two people, and they're uh, they're great people. And uh, the one lady that lives <clears throat> next door to them said, "You know, I used to be a PA and stuff. I used to do stuff in Hollywood." I said, "You know what? My buddy Jim said that I should write a movie." And they said, "Well, why don't you write a movie?" I said, "What am I going to write a movie about? I'm, I'm an actor. I mean, I've never. I mean, I've written uh, a one." I've written a one-man show, you know, about sure. my brother passing cancer. I did that, you know, and that was that was really cool. But it took a lot out, you know. And I thought, no, I don't know. She goes, well, I I own my own dog walking pet sitting service. 
And she said, well, why don't you just write about people that you come in contact with? There's a lot of weird fuckers out there. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I go? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, she said, there's a lot of there's a lot of weird people out there, man. And she's like, he's like, why don't you just I just write about those. And I'm like, you know, OK, cool. So I went home that night, bust out of the old lap, bust out the old laptop. I said, what kind of movie do I want to be in? If I were to if I were to write my own movie, what would what would I be in? I, of course, I'd, I'd like to act in it and, and maybe direct it. Hell, I don't know. And I thought, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, I love When Harry Met Sally. Sure. And I've always I've always wanted to be in a romantic comedy. I'm like, what's the role that I, they wouldn't cast me in? You know, what's the movie that they would not cast me in? Sure. Okay, the lead to comedy. You know, I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, I can do that. Why not? So. Uh, I wrote it, and six to seven weeks later, I had a full-length feature. Wow. And and every day, and it just, once the idea was set, and once the idea was implanted in my mind, I uh, I just went for it. Sure. And uh, put on some uh, headphones and some, you know, uh, some music and just started typing and, and every day. And about six, six weeks later, I had a first draft, and then about a couple weeks later, I had a second, third draft. And then uh, we went from production there and we started production from script to screen. Once I started writing it to the time we had the premiere, it was nine months. Wow. And I'm, you know, amazing. The people that I had behind me, uh, like a gentleman by the name of Lee Harry, uh, who uh, did all the uh, editing, uh, my buddy Mike Dominguez, who did the score. It just, once it, the ball started rolling, uh, people just came out of the woodwork saying, Hey, I heard you're making a movie. Yeah. Let's not I'll donate my time. Absolutely. And wow. our total budget for this movie was $3,800. Huh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I had like 3,800 bucks. I'm like, what? I can't even buy a Chevy 2000 Malibu for that, for God's sake. Nothing against Chevy Malibus, but anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chevy is a fine car for people out there listening. Um, <laughs> we, we, uh, you know, my role in this movie for the second part of your question was I said, well, if I'm going to write it, I want to be in it. Sure. And if I'm going to be, why not direct? And it was my first time ever doing that. And a lot of people look at me like, dude, are you insane? Are you crazy? I'm like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yes. A little bit. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, decided with that and we got Jim, my producer, the guy that planted the seed. He said, uh, Hey, um, why don't I be for photography? I said, all right, cool. You can be director of photography. We've got Lee Harry for, for editing. And we've got my boy, Mike Dominguez for doing the score and, and people around Ventura, uh, where I live. Uh, I know a lot of the local bands here and stuff and they, uh, they put music towards it and just asked and sure. everybody said yes. And the people that I originally wrote it for the actors and just friends, they miraculously all said, of course we'll do it. You know, um, which I'm very blessed and I'm very fortunate to have that happen. So, yeah, we just uh, we just went for it, man. And apparently uh, people really dug it, which was cool. <laughs> it's like my friends, my friends, uh, Bridget and Chris, they were they're They're my next door neighbors and they were they're driving over to the theater where we had uh, the premiere. And they go and Chris said to Bridget, he goes, what if it sucks? What do we say? What if it, you know, what if, what if this movie really stinks? And Bridget was like, well, we just tell them, Hey, great effort, you know, or all right. You know, cause we had about 900 people 
for our our our, uh, our debut for the premiere, and uh, wow. people really dug. Was and I was, I'm just very, uh, you know, you just never know. And my my whole thing is with everything that I do, it's more uh, leap and build the parachute on the way down. You know, it's more of a uh, uh, improv thing that improv has taught me so much. You know, in the last 15 years, uh, to especially with life and and how you take things and how you can roll with the punches. And if you have plans, those plans can change and right. just be ready to that. And I think that helped me out tremendously with what uh, what the venture is of a rock and roll heart, as you can see here. <laughs> well, yeah, no, man. So that cool stuff. It's it's very. Um... It's a very interesting uh, an analogy using improv. Um, I don't think a lot of people understand uh, what improvisation really, at the heart of it, what it is. Um, a lot of people associate improv with what we see on TV as, or in movies, sure. as you know, a caricature of improv, or. If you've lived in L.A., every single person who has friends who are an actor who, you know, has the, uh, hey, I'm doing this improv show on, you know, Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, yeah. And you, yeah, and, and you know it, it's, but it's you. You invite your friends and stuff, and everyone kind of, you know, you see improv, and you go, "Oh my god, this is this is like you said." Even how do you react if a movie is bad? Well, at least with a movie, you could kind of, um, you could kind of zone out a little bit, and you know, if you don't like a film, a lot of times you make it through, but it's just like you don't remember anything really. It's just you were there. You go to an improv show, and it's bad improv. it's like being in a dentist chair right (laughs) yeah i've i've done in since 2005 to now i've done over 2000 improv shows you know and there were times i was doing improv four or five nights a week and uh with ventura area theater sports with second city uh with a really awesome improv show uh with improv olympic with la uh a comedy sports with impro theater, yeah. you know, and, it, and, you know, uh, LA comedy connection. I mean, you name it, you know, and it's, it's, I'll tell you even bar prof, you know, yeah. which is God awful, but, but it's a lot of fun if you can hold the audience, you know, it's like, right. a, I need a suggestion. Oh, it's a dick that sucks itself. What? I mean, what, are you kidding me? Yeah, cool. Let's go with that. Well, we are in a bar and they are drinking. So, well, you know what, but that, I, I'm glad it, I'm glad you put in that out though. I love that. Um, one of my favorite things is the fact that the challenges presented by the minds of people who are literally trying to sink your ship, and the next thing <laughs> you know, you're doing one of the most brilliant fucking pieces that no one else is going to see except for these you know, five to 20 people in this small theater that is about a dick that sucks itself. <laughs> and it's brilliant. You know what I'm saying? Like, does that not, it, it just sparks it when you hit on taking something <laughs> that sucks and making yeah. it something that their, their jaws at the end of the night, they're going, dude, that was fucking good. 
I know. Like, wow, did you see that? Oh my god! I know they created that out of thin air. For for me, sometimes I think that with this film, this is going to be around forever. Right. Long after I'm gone, and all the other people that were involved, and their kids and their kids, which is a cynical way of looking at it. But hell, let's face it; it's always going to be there. And with improv, sometimes I tell people that it can be a forgettable art. It really, really can. It's one of the most forgettable arts ever because I'll do a show on a Saturday night by Sunday or Monday night's class. People go, hey, that was a really funny scene. What scene? I don't. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. I don't really remember. But, you know, talk about being in the moment, you know. Um, but when you say the sinking, sinking of the ship, that really resonates. That really, really resonates. Even with the audience and even with people on stage. On stage. You. Yep. You yeah. know, because the, cause they're, cause they're like, they're like, hey, watch me. Uh, it's like, uh, can I get a location, please? Watch this. Yeah. All right. Here, I'm a guy. Uh, yeah, how about your mom's house? All right. Uh, yeah, thanks. Okay, we'll go to my mom's house. Really? Do you want me to fail? Okay, buddy. <laughs> you know, but that's the, that's the cool challenge is like, let's, you know, let's, uh, Let's uh, let's let's see what we can do, and let's get together. I mean, improv is for me is such a wonderful, wonderful thing with collaboration and making your partner look good, and it's you know listening and just being right there because it's amazing how much we don't listen to people. Right. You know, even with life, I say your improv. I teach my students improv is not just about you know, haha, you know, we're on stage and all that stuff, but it's about life too, because the true belly laughs for me come from uh, 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 empathy. Yeah. Yeah. The audience goes, ha, I've been there. <laughs> this, this is really funny. Oh my because we have all been there. And that's where the true belly laughs. And it's all, for me, I always say, I'm saying it's all about the relationships, you know, in right. Not about, as we say, it's not about the soup. It's not about the thing, you know. One of some of my one of my favorite scenes I've ever seen was uh, a buddy, a couple students of mine were doing a autopsy, and uh, they were taking out organs of this cadaver, and they were pulling it out, and they were talking about their golf game, right. about how well about how well they did right. uh, last week in that hole in one, and start talking about their wives and what they mean to each other while they're you know weighing kidneys or taking out a stomach, and for me that's that's the life man that's yep. that's what it's all about. it's not about you know dead people but i'm saying it's about you know doing things and talking about real stuff and that's where who uh the true stuff comes in and i tried to put that in with the film too you you have to and i think that that's the key is that if you when you don't have the experience doing and a film yourself creating the film yourself the first thing that you need to do is get those characters out of your head and i think that when you start finding the voice of the characters it's because it started just like improv it started at a seed that you were able to then start discovering what's going on in this person's life so I think that's a great, uh, like an autopsy, great idea of this is what the person does. 
and I think most most 75% of improvers especially young ones if they're given that situation they're focusing on the job being done which is it's oh my god all the blood oh geez you see the size of this kidney oh, dude, check out his brain. yeah agreed 100% 100% man and you have absolutely to, and you have to be able then to transition those human emotions those characters like you know she said in in uh you know in kind of giving you that idea that everyone's a crazy fucker so the (laughs) the idea is how do i get how do i get onto page the idea that yeah this person is a dog walker but this is who they are not what they are and i think that's 100% 100% one of the hardest things to do and I think that that is why your friends liked the film people who've seen the film have liked the film because it becomes yeah. relatable um, I think to me for a, a perfect improv is stuff like you just got diagnosed with cancer but as the doctor is telling you this you're more worried but can I go on my vacation to the Bahamas? <laughs> Sir, this is pretty terminal and we're going to be working on it. I hear what I just said. <laughs> yeah, but man, I just bought this new, this Hawaiian shirt. It's a beautiful button down. It's got palm trees. It's perfect to sit back and relax and watch the breeze and the clouds go by. But, yeah. but sir, we're going to have to operate within the next three weeks. Oh, that's three weeks? Oh. I go on the cruise next Friday, so we should be good, right? You, you, you know, there's wants. Everyone's want is different. That's another thing that I think is is amazing. Every, that's funny. But everyone's want is different, right? Everyone deals with things differently, and I think the easiest path taken by, especially again, young improvers, is we're going to deal with the obvious. No, man deal with the absurdity because all our lives are pretty fucking absurd if you think about it yeah 100% yeah so I think that's and that's what translates into being able to to write and make a good movie yeah thank you brother you know I I uh it's amazing how many uh, students will say you know they'll be on a, on stage and there'll be two chairs and they're talking and they go oh look a chair I think I'm gonna sit down in this chair <laughs> I'm like um, you, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, do you do that in real life? You say, oh, look, a chair. I think I'm going to sit down in it. Oh, look, a spoon and a bowl. I think I'm going to pour some cereal and eat this cereal. And I'm going to crunch loud. I was like, no, 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 no. Just pour the fucking cereal. Eat the cereal. Just sit down. You don't need to tell everybody. It's For me, it's show, not tell. Show us. Don't tell us how to build a fire on stage. Show us. And that's and, but but it's it's as simple like that. You know, it's like every time you you have a drink, right? I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not talking to you, going, you know. And then on Friday, you know, my mom told me, hold on, I'm, I'm taking a drink. <laughs> my mom told me that you know, it's like, what are you doing? You you, I call it. I call it. I call it. Um, basically a uh an actor who choreographs 
the movements because they're not secure in oh, choices. Absolutely. I, my, one of my, my, my buddy, Gary best, who is, uh, uh, taught me a lot about improv. He said to me, he said, I have a note for you after I did my first show. And he said, I said, what's that? He goes, this will make you a lot better. I said, okay, good. And he said, don't repeat everything everybody says before you say a line. Yes. <laughs> because I said, I said, what, yes. what, what do you mean? You are repeating. I'll say a line like, he's like, it's like, hey, these chicken fingers are good. And I go, these chicken fingers are good. Can I have some? I was like, wait, what? What are you doing? You don't, it's a stall tactic yep. for me. Yep. A complete fucking stall tactic. So I knew, wow, um, I have to think of something clevient, cl uh, clever and wit clever and witty to say right now. Right. Like, what am I going to say next? I'll just repeat what he said. It's like, hey, I'm going to the store. You're going to the store. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll go with you. Let's get in a car. Boy, this is a nice, this is a nice car, you know, and uh, I thought to myself, boy, I do that a lot. And once I got rid of that and trusted my fellow improvisers yep. and trust fellow players, and once I put those walls down and these chains down of I have to make everything great and perfect and just fall and they will catch you if you fall. Yeah life got a lot better and with that's the thing about improv that i always say is that or with anything even in acting or musicianship or being on the job you know at a construction site knowing that you always know you're on the right path if people want to play with you yes yeah you always you're on the right path in improv people want to play with you if they want to jam with you if they want to work with you if they want to you know be around you yeah because you're a good human being and you know what i've got your back i've got your back i will take care of you no matter what i will not let you fall and if we fall we're going to fall together you know what at io um <laughs> it's funny you say that because i do remember and it was probably like level three ish um <laughs> yeah i'm going i'm going back like you know 20 years in my mind but one of the things we did do and it might have been neil flynn's class um that oh, nice. yeah yeah he was he was it was like right before he got scrubs and he was teaching at io and he was still in beer shark mice at that time and yeah um we did an actual we did the trust falls because of that exact scenario and that is you need to trust those people around you and i think what what happens is that we have a natural instinct as performers to if you hear silence your first impulse is to fill the silence which is the biggest fuck up you can do absolutely right yes yes i yes i could I, yeah this is fantastic because the silence is people are staring at me and I don't know what to do. Oh my God, what should I do? Should I say something witty or funny or should I, you know, I always say, start, I have this exercise. I say, start off in the middle. It's not, hello, how are you? It's just, once you get this, it, it, you are, you already have a relationship established, but you will find out what that is. Yeah. 
you go from a scene from nothing, apparently, uh, or most likely, and uh, and I usually say, I want 30 seconds of silence before anything is spoken. Yep. And so, oh, okay. And the audience will look at you and they will empathize with you because that's where the true belly laughs come from. They're going, wow, they're sitting on stage not saying anything. If I was in that position, I would be freaked out. I'm going to start to laugh, ha, ha, ha. And then all of a sudden, a certain it's not just a gimmick. It's more along the lines of like, wow, they're really sitting there in silence. Yeah. You know, and they and I said, check in, check in with your partner. What are they doing? Are they looking off in the distance? Are they making something? Are they cooking? What are they, you know, are they just looking at you in disgust? You always have to check in. And silence is so, I would watch a silent improv show any day of the week. I totally agree. I would watch any day of the week and say, you know, we just, we just fuck it up sometimes with stuff that doesn't need to be said. You know, and uh, wouldn't that be silent improv show? You know, it, it, it's it's very interesting because I think, and again, in the annals of my mind, I don't know if this is reality or if this is my mind playing the trick on me. But I do think that in the past, I've had improv scenarios in classes where that's what we would do. We would try to do the scene without saying a damn word. Um, the other one that's very much, I think, is it's if if you know how to do this, you can do anything, and that is one word. You know, where you can only speak one word. And what's brilliant about what's brilliant about improv is this: we label it comedic because of things like Saturday Night Live being based in improv background, right? Yep. The truth of the matter is, is that improvisation, just like if you're a musician on stage, you're, you're working with each other. So I've, my favorite improv situations is, like you said, if, if someone's staring off, you know, you got a, you got a beautiful girl you're working with. She's staring off, and you're just kind of looking at her for you know the first couple seconds and then you approach her and then you you know then you feel what she's feeling and then that's when you say man the stars are pretty tonight and i can't wait to launch tomorrow morning i know it's going to be hard isn't it yeah being away from you for 20 days up there and only space isolation and now you're engaged you know and i think that's what that's mario right there man i wish that absolutely absolutely i was totally invested in with everything that you were just saying completely invested going wow i can totally see it in my mind and yeah yeah it's the silence is so So important god golden it's just it's just wonderful you know uh it's uh you said something about um staring off in the distance I, I like that a lot because the audience will project upon you it's like with any film you know you yes. see a movie it's like you know you watched de niro staring off into the distance the audience is projecting probably well what is he thinking he's probably thinking this right now you know right. all this stuff same thing when the, the when the director probably just told him just look off into the distance and don't think a damn thing 
So the audience is projecting upon that. Absolutely, yeah. dude. I think that's that's amazing. And I think fact, I, I'm I'm teaching tonight. We're gonna do that. Uh, yeah, man. I a hundred percent. See, that's the thing that excites me is that I think that that's the other part of improv that um, that people don't understand because they don't understand that there's this bond that you have um, that when you've been through an experience together there's two things one if you're on a, a team or um a regular you know show i think that that bond that forms because you get to know each other and now you can even go further that's why second city was always so good is because you workshop the ideas and themes through improv you get it onto paper once it's on the stage now now you're finding the beats within what you've already created that right the beat there tuesday in that show might be different on thursday but you know the moments now absolutely 100 you know i i think it's uh it's such a there's so many good parts of uh, lessons that we all could learn in in improv and, and it's the art and finding it and like you said the beats will be different from tuesday and thursday i really like that that resonates with me man that's really cool you know and it's like uh if if as long as you're you know i have five five rules you know when you come to class or you do improv because it's such an ensemble piece you're not here for yourself you're not you're here for other people yeah. you know it i have i have five rules one show up Two, be on time. Three, do good work. Four, take the note. And five, be nice to everybody. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's, you know, it's, and they're really simple, you know, and if you could take that and apply to life, you could, a lot of cool things can happen, man. And a lot of can happen. Yeah. You know, and I, very, and I, give, very giving improviser is what I'm saying. Well, and, and the other thing, too, and what you said, too, is that, you know, making it about yourself, the true, the person who gets it, the true improvisers, they're not making it about themselves, but they're discovering things about themselves through the characters. Right on. You know? Right on. Dude. Yay! Um, That's awesome. <laughs> So as we wa as we wax philosophically here, um, yes. <laughs> how how was that in terms of translating when you finally get it up on your feet and now you're also directing? How was that for you in terms of the transition for being able now to have the wonderful device of okay, cut, <laughs> playback, okay, and right, yeah. you know, back to one. Yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, the question was, how how did I feel about directing, uh, having yeah, all the freedom? And being able to, yeah, so you're not stuck in, you know, being someone who, obviously, I mean, you've you've acted in roles where it's been scripted and the director's oh, on. My, well, I'll tell you, being a director and actor and stuff, like my dumbass would, you know, be like, you know, one take. And we were like, you know, especially with improv, it's like, oh, that was great. Right. Well, let's move on. And we'd be like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. You know, my editor's like, dude, I got like two takes per, you know, you know, give me three or four, you know, or something like that. Oh, five. Oh, okay. There's more. Oh, okay. 
usually I'm just like, uh, you know, and it would drive Lee crazy, you know, and it still does sometimes. Like, God, that felt pretty good. Trav, that was the first take. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, let's let's do it a couple more times, shall we? Uh, uh, that's that's the thing. I, I I've never been even on set and on movies and TV shows and commercials and what have you. I've never been the guy to say, okay, we're going to do it again. Take 29, take 30, take 31, take 32. Yeah. I've never, it's just, oh God. And I think that's one of the cool things about being an uh, actor director is like, you know what? Really give a shit about the actors. You really be like, Hey, you're all right. You can do, you can do this again. You know, um, one of the cool things is having faith in your actors too. Yeah. You know, uh, asking the right people. And sometimes there have been times where I go, mm, ah, well, we just got to charge through. Maybe this wasn't the right casting choice. Right. But you, you just got to charge through it and, you know, do your best and work with the actors and stuff. I am, like I said, I'm, my dumb ass is just learning. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. it's just, but let's, let's put it to you that way. I, I never went to film school. I never did any of this stuff. Uh, but what I do is I, I've watched a lot of, uh, I watch like a movie a day, sure. you know, and I have last 20, 30 years, seen a lot of films, you know, and wondering like how they did that. And I watch a lot of, I mean, talk to people that are directors and, and, uh, hell man, just read, read books on it. And it's, I tried to soak up as much knowledge as I could. And with me, I always learned the best of just do, by doing it. Yeah. Like a moron. I might look like an idiot. Okay, cool. That's another thing that improv has taught me. Don't be afraid to look like an idiot because that's, <laughs> who cares? You know, no one's going to remember this tomorrow. I can't remember what I did yesterday. No, it's, you know? it's it, when, when I was in college, uh, we had a, something called theater of Ted and the motto, it was a, a 12 o'clock at night on Saturday night. Um, you, you know, you could do anything. You do songs, you could scenes, you could sketches, you can do whatever it is you wanted to do. You just sign up at the beginning of the night and you do it. The motto was dare to suck. Yes. And that's what school. Uh, what school did you go? To? Uh, Illinois State University. Oh, in nice. Fact, right. In fact, I'll, I'll tie it in. Um, the person who really was kind of behind starting this and it, it was something that was uh that he had seen at another uh school essentially and that is brendan hunt who is now um you know creator uh and on ted lasso and one of the best shows on tv right and one of the reasons it's such a good show is because guys like jason sudeikis and brendan they had all that experience in terms of how they learned to do comedy and they learned it from that source of it's got to come from the truth and the heart of things yes you know yes 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 because everything I, everything you hear from people right now about that show is boy that show makes me feel good boy there's such a heart to the show and it's like right? yeah because that shit is missing and you know 75 80% of the stuff that we are fed because we're fed fast food as consumers of television and movies. Yeah. And and reality. 
reality shows. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> reality. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%, brother. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, uh, Ted Lasso is such a, you're absolutely right. Ted Lasso just makes me feel just just so damn good. Yeah. You know, and all all the fluff and all the bullshit is out of there. You know, and it just they're right down to the heart of the matter. And uh and you know, what is it has 20 n- n- Emmy nominations now? Something like that. I think yeah. everybody everybody on the cast was like nominated. <laughs> it's like it's outstanding. It's outstanding. I love that show. But getting getting back to you know where we were, which is where I forgot, but I think we were talking about oh yeah, dare to suck. I love that. Yeah. Dare dare to suck. That's amazing. What was the name of this uh thing that happened? It was a midnight that's interesting. Yeah, yeah we it, it was called Theater of Ted because apparently some guy named Ted <laughs> was doing something or another and I don't know how how the fuck it got to be, but basically <laughs> It allowed you to to literally do anything you wanted to do. Um, and the thing is, is that now those of us who knew each other, we could play with each other a little bit more in terms of um, there used to be something that was basically an animal stock. So if you were up there and you're performing a poem and the perform the poem is just god awful it's so bad one of us would start doing an animal stalk around you <laughs> and it's like you better start getting this good you better start rocking this or we're gonna take your ass out that's great but hell yeah just but it allowed a freedom of playing um you know you could do nudity and it was a place that you were safe. You could say some of the most nasty things because what you're doing had a point behind it. You know, you right. you had something. That, and it was the basic idea. Um, and this is where I found if I use if you use your real name, people start associating you as that person that you're portraying on stage. Uh, and so now okay. so now if you're doing your job right people are seeing you as an exterior instead of their minds being opened yet and as soon as that clicks that moment where they see something that it clicks then they realize oh shit the joke's <laughs> on me because <laughs> right. i would love to see that i wonder you know i like i like stuff like that just you know, get total creative and and just you know, just lose it, man. Just just go buck wild. I like stuff like that a lot. Well, I think and you know, and that's something I've always thought that L.A. Um, was missing. The West Coast was missing something that allowed people to essentially get together on a Friday night at midnight, Saturday night at midnight, and be able to creatively do things where you have a core group of people. So if you know not many people sign up obviously you're going to start a process of people not knowing what the fuck this is and you're trying to get people to come in who are creative who want to you know be a part of this sign up do songs do you know dance whatever i think that that's something that could absolutely attract some of the most talented and some of the most off the wall outside thinking of the box people to work with you know do you think that's what's missing I think so. Yeah, you know, because it's funny how many people, you know, just say uh, everybody wants to be a star. 
everybody wants to be a star. You know, I'm taking improv classes because my agent told me to. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, they're taking it because, you know, they thought it'd be good for, you know, when I go in for commercials and everybody wants to see improv on your resume. So I thought I'd be, it's like, dude, what are you doing here? Yeah. Lady, lady no. You know, it's just, and sometimes, sometimes I will say that improv does stick to these people. Sure. And it, it goddamn works. You know, but other times it's like, hey, hey, what are you doing? Well, I, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, it's. Um, it's it's a fascinating thought of uh, like, like you said fame um, you know what I should have on my resume stuff like that that right. that's fascinating to me because of the fact that I've seen so many people who come from you know Arkansas or from you know Oklahoma or from Texas or right. Milwaukee or everyone who comes in to LA, or to New York who have been told, you know, for their whole high school career or since they were a kid or, well, you're funny. You should go to Hollywood. Yeah. And then they, they expect, and then when they're not, you know, when they're not getting parts, when they're being rejected, when they're being honestly told that, you know, we, we like you, but you're five pounds heavier than what we're looking for. They don't know yeah, how but, to take it. What does Marlena Dietrich say? She said it best when she said, you know, in Hollywood, you can have all the talent in the world, but when it comes down to it, your eyebrows are just too big. Yep. <laughs> yep. And hell, I've had I've had uh, parts where I walked in and uh, they, uh, they said I was too fat or they said I was too skinny. Yeah. Or like, you know, or he looks like my cousin from Nebraska. No, not so much. You know, it's, it's this damn truth, you know. It's, you know, they're really... I don't, Think, oh, go ahead. Well, go I was going to say it's it's actually one of the only professions you can think of that literally you are subjecting yourself to the torture of being judged before anything is even out to the public. <laughs> very, very true. And you know, it's uh, my dad. He's a uh, he's a good old boy. I call him the high tech redneck. And he's a uh, he's a uh, he's cross between John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, and uh, he he told me I said uh, I remember when I saw I knew when I wanted to be an actor I, I saw uh, Harrison Ford in Witness, mm-hmm. sure, and I was twelve maybe eleven years old and it was back in the days when you know VCRs were you know weighed six pounds and the, the top loader and you press it down the big play button and everything and uh, I was spending the night we lived in an apartment complex in Carpinteria California and uh, I watched that movie and I, I was spending the night at my friend Brian's house with his grandma and we had popcorn it was like you know back in the day it was like oh you have a VCR you know right and I remember watching it and I remember saying to myself it was the first time I ever felt something through the movies you know sure Harrison Ford would Star Wars, Blade Runner, you know, whatever. But it's just you know, Indiana Jones. It's, but this is the first time he wasn't in something that was like adventure or science fiction. And it really, it really touched me, man. I was just like, wow, I want to do that. I want to do that to make people feel through the television screen or through the, you know, big screen. And I ran home to my dad. My dad worked offshore. Okay. He was a production platform, uh, platforms out here on the coast. And 
head to toe in oil, except when he took the hard hat off, it was white from here up, you know, like the eyebrows up. And uh, I said, Dad, he's like, hey, son, how you doing? I, said, I know what I want to do with my life. He goes, oh, great. What? I said, I want to be an actor. And he looked at me and he said, and I'll never forget this. Okay. And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, you found something. Now you have to go get it. Now you have to go get it. You found something. I'm proud of you, son. It wasn't like, mm, I don't think you should do this. Or, oh, son, you've been in your first play. You're 11 years old. It's pipe dreams, whatever. He's just a right. kid, an astronaut, you know, or whatever. You know, there was, there was never any uh, uh, backlash or any not support. And it's one of the things I'm very grateful for is that my stepmom and my dad have always been supportive. And he said, through his being being the guy that he is, the rough and tumble guy, you gotta work. You gotta yeah. go out there, you gotta do it, you know, boom, and just do whatever you can, you know, find your local theater, paint sets, you know, whatever, get involved with things, get involved with as much stuff as you can. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, the reason why I'm still here for this sure. business is because I've been doing this for 20, 22 years professionally, 22 years now, you know, um, since my first, what, Best Buy commercial, and I've been keep doing it, you know, and the eye has always been, you know, movies, and now, the 17th, I got a movie coming out, yeah. which is pretty cool, working on my second one, and I think it relates back to the people saying, getting off the bus from Nebraska, or, or Oklahoma, or, you know, uh, you know, Idaho, you know, coming down, you know, saying, you know, most of those people have gone home. Exactly. Most of those people have started families. Yep. Most people have nothing wrong with that, but uh, you know, that's just, that's not what I want. Right. You know, what I just did to keep creating and to creep, keep working and to make people feel what I felt when I saw witness in 1985 yep. and to, to make people go, wow, that was really good. You know, you, it's, it's just storytelling, you know, that's all it is. And I think, you know, and not even having the people not even be there just from a projector, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just goddamn magic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's everything, but, you know, but I'll never forget that. My dad just said, you know, Hey, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought my dad was going to go, shit, son. You know? <laughs> but he was just like, Oh, go for it. You found something, do it. You know, keep your grades up. Yeah, you know, yeah. Keep your grades up. Do the thing. You know, don't. You know, if your grades go down, pulling you out of the play. And, you gotta, you gotta, and uh, I'm glad you said those words too, pulling you out of the play, because you know one of the things that when you find something, I was really young. I was like five years old when I started on stage. Um, nice. Because I I knew then. <laughs> I just I loved the magic of just playing. And there's an innocence, there's an innocence that this is why I think that people have a hard time improving. They have a hard time acting. It's because when we're kids, we have a certain degree of innocence that we don't complicate our own minds. You know, I one hundred percent. Yes, there's there's the somebody once told me, um, 
when you're a kid, you put on a towel and you're flying over Metropolis. And, and then like, you know, but as we get old, you don't give a shit about what anybody thinks, right. you know? Because yep. don't put on a towel and go fly Metropolis and go, is anybody buying this? You know, they, you know, come on. Good. Yep. A good acting teacher of mine told me that. And I think it's, uh, I think it's wonderful, you know, and I couldn't agree 100% more, you know, that it's all about, uh, it's all about just losing yourself. I went to see Daniel Day-Lewis at the Arlington Theater in Santa Barbara uh, when he did Lincoln. And it was for the Santa Barbara International Festival. This is 2013, I think. Anyway, um, I'm sitting there with one of my buddies, Mike. <clears throat> He's an improv student and dear friend and he had the tickets to go because he was working security and we're sitting down there and you know we're watching Leonard Malton talk to him about you know Lincoln and all this stuff one of my favorite theaters of all time is the Arlington Theaters he's about 2000 he's it's beautiful gorgeous and I'm yeah <clears throat> and I sit there Leonard Malton asked me he goes so what is your what is your key to success what is your key to acting what is what makes you the top of the line cream of the crop and he just kind of looked at him and he said well i'm not afraid to look like an idiot and i i i ribbed mike and i and audibly i went see <laughs> see you don't have to be, you don't have to he goes yeah 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 you know and I was like, you know and it was it's not a, he's like i'm not afraid to look like an idiot like to look crazy to look um ridiculous yep. you know that whole thing of putting on the thing and flying over metropolis it's it's not saying you know i'm flying yeah you know it's not like our you guys look at me i'm i'm kind of embarrassed and it i what do you think you think it happens when as we get older i think it, you think it, it, as we get beat down saying no so much i i think the honest answer is when we start when we hit about the third or fourth grade interesting what starts well what starts happening is for once in your life now as as everyone is progressing a lot of a lot of us who were single you know childs single children we kind of are way behind the course because we don't have any examples from any older brothers right or sisters so I think what happens is as the influences start happening, because let's say Bob's brother, Tim, is hanging with, you know, he's in the seventh grade and he's got the popular kids, right? So now Bob is starting to be popular by association. Now we start putting up those walls because now we're getting judged upon by our peers. It's the first time in your life you experience that, except for maybe fighting over, you know, a toy or something like that when you're young and i think that you start putting that psychological roadblock because what we start doing whether it be making friends whether it be getting good grades we start living up to the judgment of other people you have to you have to pass this class you have to have a, a an a or a b well no i don't no, I can have a D and still get what I'm getting out of the class. But we don't know that. 
<laughs> you don't realize that until you're, you know, you're you're sitting in the the college classroom going, "Oh my god, I could just read this shit right here. Fuck it." And you you know, you just show up for tests and and do other things to explore who you are as compared to what it is I'm supposed to be doing. I think that's where everything just kind of our whole society is based on a system. And with the pandemic, it showed drastically because so many kids were missing that interaction. And that goes to show to me that we are very hungry as human beings for interaction. We're willing, we're willing to trade in who we are in our hearts to be accepted by other people because we're afraid to be alone. And that's the same thing on stage, man. Why do we why do we go necessarily to a quick, you know, oh my god, look, it's a big box of balls. Let's start playing with our balls. <laughs> well, you said it's the balls, right? Because it's that instinct of, oh my god, I'm up here. Okay, we got to do something. It's how much fucking insecurity is put onto us from the minute we walk through the doors of an institution. And that's it. You know, um, why, you know, I always, I look at some of these guys who went to jail and then became actors in their, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. Why are they so good in certain roles? Because they fucking had the experience of being locked up in an institution and you, you have to survive. We live in a society in where we're not actually locked up. But we feel that need of always striving to meet the expectations of other people. And boy, man, when you can let that safety net go and, and realize, you know what? So what if I want to walk around in, in glasses that look like stars like Elton John would wear? So what? What's the big deal? You know, it's just part so, of what I like. like and you know, It's kind of like conformity yeah like uh you know could be you know it's it's that's very interesting because i keep thinking about what you said about third grade you know that's the time where you start learning your times tables and division you know playtime is over yeah for first and second playtime is over man yep we in (laughs) fact we had um the class i happened to be in it was an experimental thing where we were second graders and there was about a dozen of us and the other class was just second graders, but ours were the dozen of us second graders with a dozen third graders. You start to learn hierarchy. You don't even know about it, but you you look at how much we're looking at those people now, and we feel small because they look at us as, well, you guys are younger, so fuck off, kid. But it's like, but we're in this together. We're in this room together. And I know you're learning a little different thing than I'm learning, but we're in this together, man. This teacher is a fucking bitch. You know that. I know that. What makes it different if I'm, you know, if I'm eight years old and you're nine years old? Nothing. But we like to, to, we have that, you know, that need to, you know, show that we're, you know, we're superior sometimes. And it's like, no, no, we're all fucking struggling through this life. And, right. and hey, uh, continue. 
No, I was just going to say it. Hey, oh. some people are lucky and they have a lot more means to necessitate their struggles. But what are means? Means are nothing that you physically can get or buy is going to make you a better person or happier or, you know, because we're always fucking struggling with our own selves. And that's what it's really all about is just taking care of yourself right not say taking care of yourself but knowing that yourself and knowing that it's okay for yeah. to to do the things that we do you know like actors you know it's, yeah. it's all right you know a lot of people get well, i don't know if i should do this choice or i don't know maybe there's a maybe there's a secret way of getting into casting directors offices maybe i don't what, what's the what's the way around you know there's there's yeah. gotta be i mean how he how come he on tv gets that part when I'm really right for it but but he sucks you know it, it's like yo it's just do the work goes back to what my pop said be a good human yeah do the work get out there and you know it like you know eventually people that got off the bus with you will be long gone back to home yep you know yeah dude agreed that is so interesting because I'm thinking about what my life was like in third grade and and I it makes complete sense of what you're saying, because that was around the time where things started to really, you know, change. No more glue on the hands. Yep. You don't have to eat that. You know, no more color by numbers. You know, second grade. Okay, you start learning a little addition and subtraction here. Third grade is when I really started learning about verbs and adverbs and prepositions and and nouns and long division and. Uh, uh, you know, certain things like that. Social studies came in yeah. and learning about social aspects. Wow, dude, that makes a ton of sense. I'm, I, I'm, it's probably going to be the what? only time this is ever said, but... I'm sorry, again? Yeah, no, no I was going to say, this is probably the only time this has ever been said. Billy Madison, <laughs> if you watch what Sandler does in the progression of going from kindergarten to being the hero of the film and graduate you you see that at every point there is a choice made in that journey that makes you go oh you know um something as simple as by the time he gets to the fourth grade he's now making snide remarks and he thinks he's showing off and the kids are like dude (laughs) yeah to the point then eventually you you get to that part where they're at the uh you know the the settler the pioneer village or whatever and um and the kid pees his pants and then billy pees his pants or throws his you know water on the pants to make it look like water on his pants yeah 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 yeah. and then you know it's like hey he peed his pants ah oh look billy peed his pants too yeah because all the kids are that are cool are doing it and it's like yeah, it's a new thing, man. <laughs> it's like when you can sit there and and dissect a film like Billy Madison, that's when you realize there is so much fucking more to what we do than simply going out there and just you know, hey, look at her boobs. Oh yeah, man. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. There's. There is a lot more, you know. I've that's the first time I've heard that analogy with Billy Madison, and now I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. That makes complete sense. That there is lessons, and yeah, with all crazy stuff that Sandler does, with who I absolutely love. 
and uh and there's you know, there is that go ahead well there's there's also that um for a for a viewer who is just viewing it simply as entertainment that's great but for those of us who like to see the layeredness of what's happening and why these certain choices are being made it's the perfect scenario because you are actually seeing the character in his real-time reactions to his environment and it's something that you don't get to see a lot of times right yeah i just love <laughs> one of my favorite parts of that movie is where <laughs> he's cruising in i think in his trans am or whatever he's got billy squire playing you know the stroke stroke yeah and he's he's got the ario speedwagon shirt on he's he gets out, you know, he sits on his front of the car. He just kind of lifts up the jean jacket a little bit. Hey, ladies. They're like, what is wrong with this fucking jackass? <laughs> you know, that's what it was like when he was in high school, of course, that was the cool thing, you know, back in the 80s. Um, one, of, really... one of the most simple things that they did in that film was the character of the O'Doyle family. Because yeah. O'Doyle has, you know, whatever, eight-year-old, 14 year old you know whatever yeah. they have so you're O'Doyle. always yeah you're meeting an O'Doyle rules guy and it's so funny because you encounter that in every stage of your life you encounter that O'Doyle and like he says one of these days it's going to catch up with you and then of course the family they go off a cliff they all got a cliff because I think there was a banana peel in the middle of the road yeah. <laughs> which is brilliant O'Doyle, you're going to get it one of these days, but right now, I got to go study. Yeah. <laughs> it's... O'Doyle rules. O'Doyle rules. O'Doyle rules. <laughs> I think it was a banana peel, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was something so, so simple. You know, yeah, I just, God, Chris Farley in that movie, too. Oh. Jesus. So good. So good. I'll yeah. turn this damn bus around. I mean, it, come on. He's so, God bless him. He was, he was really oh. good. He was really well, and I think the reason that Farley was so good is because he literally just took the sincerity of the moment. And mm-hmm. if you're able to... My favorite interaction with him and Sandler in that film is when Sandler is about to get back on the bus and Farley... That is one sweet piece of age, right? And then it's... No, you don't. <laughs> and you see him go from this, you know, this pumped up to no, like, no, no, yeah. no, I don't. <laughs> you yeah. Her and I got it. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, no, you, you did. No. Well, maybe, but a buddy of mine, Whatever. you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. <clears throat> and then when he gets on the bus, he goes, "All right, no yelling on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Shut up. Get out." You know, he went from extreme like woo yeah you know until to just totally dejected i like farley man because he he, he's one guy that just always made me laugh and he's got this childlike you want to talk about childlike innocence to him that was just wonderful every time that he he touched it you know there if if you ever into watching uh old youtube videos on uh with david letterman or or you know old talk shows yeah there's 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 two um, Chris Farley ones where he the first time he did Letterman and then the second time he did Letterman and when you're watching him and you're listening to Dave Dave really loved Chris 
because you could hear it in his laughter. Those were genuine belly laughs that right. Letterman was giving off, you know. And you could just totally tell that Chris was in so awe. He loved the show. And he's like, you know, and it was just, it's just really, really beautiful to watch. So if you ever get a chance, check yeah. it out, man. Really yeah. good stuff. Um, and speaking of checking out and good stuff, um, of course, hey. Rock and Roll Heart. Uh, you get hey, It's going to be streaming here coming up on the 17th. Um, where can people see it? How can they find it? And um, Oh, my God. And, and also, also give a little give a little rundown of what the uh, story actually is, so you know people can uh, kind of get story, interested. Okay, the story is of Rock and Roll Heart. It's uh, the tagline of this movie is "Mediocrity sucks," uh, because uh, it's, you'll find out why in in the movie. But uh, it's about this uh, fella uh, by you know the name of Sam played by myself who is a dog walker pet sitter and uh he has a lot of losses in his life he's had a lot of things happen to him uh whether well i can't really get into what it is because you have to watch the movie of course but he meets this uh psychologist uh in a thrift store at random she's new to town and it's a meet cute of course and then they get to know each other and comedy and hilarity ensues uh the the premise of the movie is two people uh, looking for a meaningful relationship in a meaningless world, meaning like uh, everyone is so disconnected with their phones or with anything else and not listening. And uh, just it's it's you'll have to watch it because I encounter a bunch of crazy people and characters and things like that. And it's just what we all want, what we were talking for before, you know, about love and and wanting yeah. to be with someone you know i think that's what makes the world go around but uh it's a lot of fun we we had a ball making it we have uh, oh and if you do watch it watch after the credits after the first uh, set of credits just to let people know because there's a little something extra we put in there for you you can see this uh august 17th on itunes i got a whole list here i mean yeah. itunes prime video vimeo PlayStation, YouTube, Fios, Google Play, Comcast, Spectrum, Vudu, Dish Network, and for those of my brothers and sisters up north in the Great White North, you can see it on Shaw, which is their uh, uh, cable company up there, one of the major ones. Uh, if you want a hard copy of the Blu-ray and DVD, you go to BarnesandNoble.com, BestBuy.com, or Walmart.com. You can get it there. Nice. Yeah, so really excited. Nice. <laughs> No, it's you know what it's it's fabulous um, because I think that one of the things that the the typical movie watcher or television watcher they're just there for the entertainment. They don't know what the process is. And granted, Blu-rays um, and DVDs have given us more of an inside look because of features being added, which is great. But you don't know the joy that is associated with finally seeing something that's been a couple of years in the making finally you know it's like having a kid i mean this is your baby right now and you want it to grow up it's tangible you can actually hold it in your hand and look at it and say i have something it's not in the stratosphere in you know coming through on broadband or whatever which is <clears throat> hey man i just want people to see the movie yeah i just want people to see it and uh to really enjoy themselves and laugh their asses off and actually uh, uh, feel something, 
you know, and uh, I hope this movie can do that. And uh, we'll see what happens come August 17th. And with that, everyone, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, Is there uh, any uh, social media that uh, people can follow you on? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram at Actorman, which is really original. Actorman at uh, uh, on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me uh, anywhere you damn want. You, you can find me on your uh, internet on uh, on iTunes or Prime Video. Come August seventeenth. No, yeah, seriously. Instagram, Actorman, uh, Facebook. It's uh, Facebook and Instagram is what I'm on mostly. Uh, you could find me on there, and I cannot tell you. What a pleasure it's been to talk to you, my friend. Thank uh, you very yeah. much. It's been excellent, man. It's been excellent. Um, you. you know, I'm going to use some. You told me tonight in class too, so it's going to, it's going to be good. You know, my biggest thing is that I want to see anyone who's passionate about doing this, about being an actor. Um, I want to see them be successful. And if it's just in this way, and that is knowing yourself better, maybe you don't, you know, go on to be a, you know, superstar or, you know, a regular working actor. But if you find shit out about yourself, you're going to live a much better life because absolutely, we're all, you know, I thought a lot of people say, well, it's going to move you up to the next level. I'm like, you know what, man, I'm always going to make movies. I'm always going to make movies, you know, I mean, because that's absolutely what I love, you know, and it's and it's something that I've always wanted to do ever since I was a kid. But thank you for that, man. Makes you a better person. Absolutely. You you sure as hell find out a lot about yourself once you take on something like this, you know, a film or uh, especially directing, writing and acting and producing, you know, it's (laughs) it's crazy. And and you know what's the, the most exciting thing, too, is that the next one is going to be an even better process of discovery for yourself. Absolutely. Which is what we're doing right in the midst of it right now. We're in the actually, actually we got about 25% left to, to film my next feature. Nice. So we had to stop for the pandemic. Of course we had to stop for that, but, it, uh, but we're, uh, we're going to complete that. And who knows, maybe I'll come back off the show for the next one. Who knows? Absolutely. If, if you'll have me. <laughs> of course. In fact, we'll we'll probably have to uh, just you know fire up the uh, the Zoom every once in a while just to talk theory and. Dude, seriously, man, this has been awesome. Yeah. This is yeah. awesome. Thank you. All right, everyone listening and watching, thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.